Hi, and welcome to Heroes of Marketing Cloud, the show where we talk with Salesforce Marketing Cloud experts. My name is Anthony Lamotte. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Deselect, and I'll be your host for today. And today we'll be talking with Arthur Bakush. Arthur is a senior Salesforce Marketing Cloud consultant at Ski, and we had a very engaging conversation about AI um, and all things technical in Marketing Cloud, SQL, um, script and also SSGS, as well as other trends going on in the marketing automation space. So welcome to the show. Hi, Arthur. Welcome to the show. Hi, Antonio. How are you? I'm doing very well, opposite sides of the world, but I appreciate you making time on a early Saturday morning for you. Yeah, it's great to meet you. Um, actually, your name seems to be French. I, I, I was wondering, are you from France and Europe? A lot of people from your team are in Switzerland, I've heard. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, so I'm actually, I'm not French, although I speak some French, or at least I like to think that I speak some French, um, but I'm I'm Belgian. Uh, my native oh, okay, tongue is okay. Dutch. Yeah. But, uh, but oh, I'm based I see, I see. in Texas. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. So that must be great to live in uh, Texas. Right. And uh, I know you're based yeah. in Sydney, but you don't particularly have a Australian accent. So I'm presuming you're from <laughs> France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I arrived in Sydney like five years ago now. So, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. How are you liking yeah, that's it? That's quite good. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, I think so far it's like um, one of the best cities I've lived in. Like, you have like the outdoor activity and the, um, the lifestyle is really great. Uh, mm -hmm. But I guess Texas must be nice as well. This is where there is um, a Tesla headquarters as well. Yeah, that's right. Elon lives about yeah. 30 minutes from where I'm currently sitting. Oh, really? Do, yeah. do you grab your uh, coffee in the same uh, cafe, uh, cafe sometimes? Oh, well, we're, we're not grabbing drinks. We're not on a first name basis <laughs> just yet, but who knows? Um, he, he likes to hang out with podcasters, I know, like Lex Friedman. So, uh, oh, really? Yeah. That's, that's, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, no weather is amazing here. I mean, Australia gets hot too, but right now it's been about it's been over forty degrees Celsius, over a hundred Fahrenheit for like two months. But I love yeah. it. I'm glad to uh, you know be in this hot climate. So yeah. Yeah. How did you come up to choose Texas? Oh, that's uh, that's a long story, um, and uh, I won't go into too much detail now because maybe you know some people yeah. want hear more about marketing cloud but um the, the majority of our market is in the us um we serve yeah. large enterprise companies and mid-market um there's a huge market for us in europe there's also a huge market for us in australia and apac yeah. but the majority of big companies obviously are in the us so we want to open yeah, office yeah. here and um, austin is a very vibrant city with a lot of new tech talent it's centrally located and it has a yeah you know it's just a great city so that's why we chose uh, austin texas specifically ah, okay that's nice that's nice. Yeah. And uh, and you started uh, your journey with Marketing Cloud. Uh, I hear that you went in holiday for a few weeks to learn how to code in order to build the select. Yeah, like, maybe, like... maybe you read that in a, in a blog or something, an old blog. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, well, that's really a, a great story. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, kind of. So at some point, I wanted to get better at programming. So I took a sabbatical, went to Bali, lived there for three yeah. months while I rented my home back in Belgium out on uh, Airbnb just to cover for costs. Yeah. And um, I won't say that led directly to to Deslake, but at least I had the technological know-how to to see a solution, to think of a solution. So uh, yeah. I don't regret it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, were you a user of Marketing Cloud before? 
Yeah, I was um I was already doing marketing cloud projects oh, okay. um, before, yeah. And and what about nice. your background, Arthur? Um yeah. what is it like can you can you say a bit about what your background is and, and what is it that you do these days? Yeah, uh so I used to I used to study computer science. Um so do you know the school 42 in it's a school uh, that is quite popular. So I did a school called Epitech. Mm -hmm. And the school, uh, it's like school where you only learn by practice. You know, okay. there, there is no theory. So like you have projects, it's like, it's exactly like working in like, uh, an agency. So you have always projects to deliver with group of people and and you have no theory knowledge. So you, no, no theoretical knowledge. So it's like you deliver projects. So it was great to learn that, um, but I didn't really like like language like C++ or like deep technology deep technology uh, language. I was more interested in uh, digital marketing, how to drive customer, how to drive conversion to a website, uh, how to optimize a website. So I started to do a lot of like internship like and work in digital marketing at first. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's how I've learned like the digital marketing in general, and I've worked like maybe five six years as a digital marketer, and then when I came back to Australia, um, I realized that like working as a digital marketer digital marketer is not great because you don't have like a good visa for example, you don't have like good salary as well like because. There is no benchmark of digital marketer. You don't know if like the this guy is better than that guy. Like there is no one to to say like where with Salesforce the certification like you have an industry and you have like a a benchmark between like the different right. consultant I guess. And then then yeah I I start learning like about um, about IT uh, about Salesforce more specifically because I already had like this IT background and yeah so I, I've learned about Salesforce and then I start working as a consultant and it was great because marketing cloud specifically require you to know about like IT like you need to code in like SQL uh, JavaScript and and scripting language and also you need to have the knowledge into uh, digital marketing such as like having conversation that makes sense with the customer, for example, on what they can achieve, what are like the nurturing journey, what are the segment. And I think it was the best of both worlds for me because like I had like these two um, segments, these two um, add-ons that I've learned over my life. And then I end up working as a Salesforce uh, marketing cloud consultant. So and that's the story. That sounds like a good... Yeah, it sounds like a good marriage between um, your IT background and your marketing agency background. I think just as an aside, I think it's interesting what you said yeah. about how salaries for marketing cloud consultants are better than for agencies. Um, I think scarcity in the job market is perhaps a part of it, but you're probably right that certification helps because with an agency, it's very hard to have objective measures of their yeah, quality yeah, yeah. of the work, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And uh and I think from what I've saw is like if you work as a gen generic digital marketer, mm -hmm. like there is plenty of digital marketer in the world, I guess. And and it's more like the 
like if you work in marketing, you are the one searching for a job. Where if you are a consultant in marketing cloud, um, the company are more searching for you as a skill. So there is like it's totally different, like the like the, the balance between this so yeah, the supply, uh, supply and, the and the demand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so what's yeah. the coolest marketing cloud project you've done so far, Arthur? Um, I've worked on like pretty plenty of interesting projects. I think like project that I like is where there is technical challenge uh, with the platform. Um, I think one that was quite interesting that we just delivered is uh, an integration with a hardware for uh, for the BBC. So they created like a, like a photo booth system, you know, like where people take photo and yeah. in, we, we integrate it with marketing cloud. So uh, for that, we are using like um, we like we are using different API, for example, a content builder API um, to to receive like the the files, and the files were were like MP4 and like GIF. So you know it's like more uh, it's like it's it's quite interesting to learn how to encode like a video, for example, and to pass it to content builder. And then we were sending like a journey. Uh, we were triggering a journey that sent an email that includes this content to the user. So, so, so this one was maybe not the most complex one, but as there is an integration to hardware and to a product that that is uh, that you can touch or that you can interact with in the real life, mm -hmm. uh, I think it was pretty cool. I think. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. for sure. I mean, I've I've had a number of um great guests on the show and i think you're the first person who ever gave an, an example of of someone integrating between hardware and marketing cloud could you maybe yeah. um we, we have a mixed audience of technical and non-technical users so with that in mind yeah. could you could you um highlight some of the um the challenges you ran into or how you went about that solution because i think it's kind of interesting yeah so so i think like uh, so there is different type of uh, challenge there is a technical challenge and there is a process. Uh, like we, we had challenge with the process. And I think something that we really improve is like the QA, QA testing. So, mm -hmm. uh, so, 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 so we work uh, with someone of our team that runs the test uh, properly, like to, to, to see if there is any bug in the solution and i think this we we had some challenge at the beginning where we we were delivering like the first solution the first version had some issue and um someone of our team called christian uh run like the qa test and find out there is some issue for example with um uh, you know like when you deliver like promo code but because when we were sending the email to people we were giving some promo code, like discount code, 20% off, 100% off. And what we realized is that there is an issue when the journey is delivering the, the discount code. Um, sometimes they will deliver the same code to, to different people, even though like you have like a system that should make them deliver only one code per person. And right. for so that, it there sounds is like it's it was like yep. randomly generated, but maybe not unique. Is that what you're saying? 
no, they were uh, stored into data extension, uh, but still, like I think, like when the journey delivers the email, it goes too mm -hmm. fast, and and sometimes like the journey doesn't have the capability to say, okay, this this concord has been already delivered. Now I'm going to the next one. Now I'm going okay, to right. the next one. So we had to use uh, a function for that. I don't remember the name of the function, but one part of the function was raised error and it mm -hmm. basically uh, stopped not the system, but switch to another contact in the system if there is uh, if this happened. So, so, yeah, so actually, we found out the solution. Yep. Yeah, sorry, I just wanted to add, I actually know a little bit about the race error thing. And I know they're uh, going yeah. pretty technical here for the audience, but so there's a function called race error that if if my understanding is correct, it can just cancel a specific email being sent yeah, um, yeah, yeah. for whatever reason. It's like a, a catch-all for if something goes wrong. Yep. Yeah, and you have two choices, basically. So you have like uh, either it, it cancels the overall process, so no contact will receive any email anymore, or it's just one contact that stops receiving the email, and then they continue to switch to the other one in the process. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so this was one of the challenges that we discovered. Um, we fixed it, so it was good. Uh, and and we also improve a lot the way we work as a team with like the QA process, like the testing part is very important. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's something that you learn and that is different with each team. So, so, so you know, it's not like if you are like a JavaScript developer and you, you have like a proper framework that exists, I feel it's up to each organization to build their own testing framework with Marketing Cloud. And, um, and I think we have learned uh, a lot to build our uh, in order to deliver products that are perfect for the customer. Pretty cool. Yeah, I know as many people have actually commented on the show that uh, quality assurance and, and not having an actual sandbox is a typical challenge. So that sounds like an interesting yeah. way to to deal with that. Um, another functionality that's been um, more discussed recently, and obviously we run into as we have uh, launched a new product called Engage, is uh, frequency capping. I was kind of curious if you've ever worked with Einstein frequency capping, if you've seen use cases and, and how that turns out. Uh, yeah, so I think frequency is very interesting in terms of uh, what we call audience fatigue. So it's right. like, uh, it's like uh, you make sure you don't uh, deliver too much content to your uh, contact in order uh, to keep him like interested in your product. Like you don't struggle with like the, <laughs> all your email. Um, if we use it, yes, I think we use it, uh, but differently. Like for example, at this stage, we set up some fields in, uh, in sales cloud, for example. And when we pull like the Salesforce data, we will do a filter on this mm -hmm. particular field in sales cloud just to make sure that uh, we are not sending like uh, before 30 days, for example, like the, the, the email. Um, so we we haven't used um, in a lot of projects like Einstein frequency cap, but I think I have a good understanding of uh, what it is and, uh, and how we can uh, 
use it. Uh, you, from your point of view, why why people are using uh, Engage, that, like your new product? Yeah, uh, great question. Thank you. Um, well, first off, there's there's limitations with Einstein frequency capping. It, it's a cool feature because it's out of the box and you don't need to do a lot to set up, but um, you need to be using, you need to, to use the um, out of the box subscription model. And very few customers really use that because almost everyone ends up building a custom subscription center or something like that. Mm. And, and once you do that, you already can't use it anymore. Um, but I would say even if you if you have that, there's another issue with it, um, which is just a comfort that marketers have because it's a black box. They don't know if, if Einstein says, you know, this person is saturated or not, or we're gonna send an email or not. It doesn't say why that is. So um, as we spoke with our customers and, and more in the context of the select segment, there was a recurring uh, uh, need and requirement for frequency capping that is rule-based, meaning marketers can define the rules. So I would say for, for Engage to actually answer your questions, I think the main reasons why people get engaged are they need rule-based um, frequency capping. Um, they also, they're not only concerned about over-engagement, but also under-engagement. So they also want to see hey, who in my audience can I engage more with? Mm. Um, and then, um, and this is also interesting, I actually didn't think the product would turn out to be that way initially, but we ended up building this whole calendar where people can uh, manage all their sends, all their campaigns, if you prefer. Yeah. Uh, and then they can also manage priorities of campaigns in case there are conflicts. Like if, if, yeah. if we can predict an audience is going to be oversaturated uh, or you know they will hit, hit their uh, frequency cap. Um, yes. To our synonyms, synonyms. Um, then you know those those marketers who set up those sends, they can have a discussion about okay, this this priority is higher than this one, and they can add that. Ah, okay. So, yeah, so there's a huge campaign a, planning uh, yeah. factor. Go ahead. It, the way you describe uh, engage like your new product makes me think about the Einstein recipe in uh, Interaction Studio. Uh, have you heard about that? It, it's like uh, basically, it's like yeah, it's like, uh, from what I understand, is like engage, you can have different ingredients. Like you can have mm -hmm. different settings in order to build your own uh, frequency, what you define as a good frequency, in a way. Right. But okay, so you're referring to uh, Marketing Cloud Interaction Studio, formerly known as Evergage. Yeah. Oh, and now it's personalization. So and it's now like... it's personalization, right? <laughs> yes, thank you for reminding me. Oops. Um, it's, diff it's different though. Um, but here's the problem with the constant renaming of the products, if, if we can be very candid, and I feel on this show we can. Um, the, the phrase marketing cloud personalization is a little bit misleading because you really have to ask what kind of personalization. And ultimately, marketing cloud personalization is really a digital solution, meaning it's it's meant to personalize websites. Yes, there is a yeah. way to integrate with marketing cloud engagement these days. So the the good old real marketing cloud, so it's like <laughs> Target. Um, uh, and so you you could technically steer email communications as well, but the driver of that uh, is normally your digital interactions, the digital yeah, activities yeah. on your website, which there's a whole subject in itself. And and the fact is, many people don't have these two solutions, uh, I mean, yeah. many companies don't, or they're not always completely integrated because they're actually yeah. using different stacks. Um, so 
there's that, that's not to say that there aren't really interesting use cases in terms of driving email personalization by by web interaction. Yeah. I totally think there are. Um, it's just that that would not really be a solution for the problem we encounter with our customers who are really just oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, because they're just our customers are just really worried about not being annoying and not spamming their customers. Oh, and, yeah, 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 I understand. Uh, does that make sense? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it makes uh, total sense. It's, I think it's uh, people need that, and I think people want to see like a transparent solution where they understand each parameter of it, like they want to know what will happen. And maybe that's an issue that is uh, happening with the current uh, like uh, like feature uh, of marketing cloud, Einstein frequency. And and I think this can uh, link us to the other question that is related to artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the future of uh, arti artificial intelligence with marketing cloud? And I think people. We really want control and transparency on what will happen. And I think this is a risk or like the opportunity, but like the, the, it will be a challenge with generative uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, I don't think people want yet like a machine to write the email copywriting that will be sent to the customer. They, they want to, um, they want to control that part, mostly like the big organization, because they are really uh, like perfectionist on the message that they deliver to their customer. And I think as well, what will be interesting with artificial intelligence, it will be on the uh, insight and uh, insight and uh, and analytics. I think mm -hmm. that's the main area of development that I think will uh, will help. How, how about you? How do you see uh, uh, artificial intelligence coming into marketing cloud? Yeah, great question. I mean, man, I've, we're going to be able to talk a lot about this. Um, I will take a step back first before even talking about marketing cloud specifically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we like we totally embrace it as a company. Um, I, current, I I personally use it. It's like one of my new bookmarks. I have the paid version of oh, yeah. ChatGPT. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And we actively encourage people in the company to use it for all their yeah. um, uh, lines of business. And we have a marketing team, right? So if I look at my own marketing team, we're already using it heavily um, for content creation. And if I look, yeah. for instance, at, at a more strategic level, whether it's company strategy or... Um, marketing strategy specifically, it's a really interesting yeah. tool just for brainstorming, I find, yeah. structuring your thoughts. I don't know if you've tried that before. I, I, I do use it. I never mm -hmm. use it to brainstorm. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I do use it like uh, not every day. But sure. I, I think, yeah, like it saves me time. And, and I think he, you know, like, I would be scared if I was if I was like a company such as Grammarly, you know Grammarly, sure. like the the Chrome extension that uh, fix your uh, typo. I think like I tend to prefer using ChatGPT than like uh, Grammarly, for example. I don't like, know. Uh, so this is funny that you say this because I've had. I actually recently used ChatGPT to create to, to to help me write an article. Yeah. Um, 
plus I was plus I was doing I was also doing an interesting experiment on uh, on LinkedIn because I'm I'm a very voracious poster on LinkedIn. People who follow this yeah. show they probably know. Um, and so I did a series of experiments where I had ChatGPT write LinkedIn posts. And um, the big thing I noticed is that one, uh, the, the posts are much more generic. But I can yeah. tell a little bit more about my strategy on making it less uh, less generic. But secondly, grammar Grammarly still finds grammatical suggestions in what ChatGPT says. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. It does, yeah. Why do you think? Uh, because I don't think um, ChatGPT is, is optimized for having beautiful grammar. It's optimized for giving uh, synthesis, like for uh, summarizing large quantities yeah. of natural language information and then providing suggestions while also tapping into the whole internet as a database, essentially, from September 21. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, yeah, and, and and I think Grammarly will always provide different options, maybe, as like there is not one way of writing a sentence correctly. Sure. So I don't know. But yeah, like I think it's a great tool. Like ChatGPT is nice. Um, I think I'm quite excited about like I've seen they started to develop it to develop some apps like you can mm -hmm. uh, integrate with external system. I think this will be like uh, I haven't tried. It. I don't know mm -hmm. if it's available on the market, but it's basically you can uh, you can pull the data from other system. It's it's a bit like Siri. We're, will we're doing interact this. With... Oh, okay, okay. We we, we I mean good? we are doing this for our product. Um, actually, actually just this week. So today, I mean, for those who are listening, it's August 18, 23, uh, just five days ago, we went live with, yeah. uh, DD AI. So DD is the name of our penguin, our penguin mascot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and so we, we called our, uh, generative AI capabilities, DD AI, a little bit similar as, yeah. um, Einstein AI, I suppose. Um, and what it does is that, uh, this is for a segment product. Uh, so for, yeah. for, for those who don't know, segment is essentially, um, a drag and drop solution to create SQL in marketing cloud to do very refined yeah. segmentation, deduplication, whatever. Um, and so now people can just say, Hey, Didi, I want this segment from, you know, my last orders in, uh, Australia and France. Uh, with uh, with a vo volume um, of this and a value of this, yeah. and and based on the natural language, we can translate that into a configured segment in Deselect, which is um, not just SQL, but actually a, um, for people who don't know SQL, it's actually a visual res representation in our UX. Oh, yeah. And and then people can still iterate, and that's just step one. We have a lot more ideas there to go further. Uh you are using uh, the chat GPT uh, API for that? Yeah, that's right. So this is, uh, we're integrating with uh, OpenAI for that. So, uh, yeah, yeah. which is a, it's a paid service, right? Because they have a yeah. solution for companies and we're using um, uh, some of, we've integrated with some of their APIs essentially. But then oh, okay. on our side, we need to add a layer to, you know, train the model and, and help them understand, okay, this is how we, you know, this is what our data looks like and how we visualize mm -hmm. it. And then we need to add some guardrails and, and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we do that. Is there like any plan to uh, get rid of OpenAI in the future to build your own fully full system? No and yes. So, uh, no, we don't plan to get rid of OpenAI. And, and here's the thing, like, so as a side note, but an important one, I think um integrating uh generative ai capabilities into your product 
we'll typically rely on one of the big providers, which for the time being will mainly be open AI, but we're going to see other providers as well, obviously. Um, and, you know, the other tech companies are trying to catch up real fast and they will probably, yeah. I mean, not catch up, but they will deliver good solutions too. Um, yeah. but what I'm trying to say is that this will become ubiquitous. And what I mean with that is like today, if you would start a SaaS company, yeah, you're going to do it in the cloud, right? Unless you're maybe some very fringe niche financial on-premise product for security reasons, yeah. uh, which, which also yeah. happens, but you know, ex except for that, like very rare situation, you would by default do it in the cloud. So my prediction is that maybe a year from now, every new SaaS company by default will have generative AI capabilities integrated into its solution because customers will expect it because they will expect that level of performance. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I saw a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, yeah, most of the SaaS now are using already like uh, um, some uh, artificial intelligence integration. Oh. I think it's, not all of them are really well integrated. I feel like sometimes to me, it doesn't make sense that like it's more here to, for the sake of being here. Uh, I think it's really interesting to find what's the usage that really provide value to the customer. Yeah. Uh, and that's a challenge because in some case, uh, <laughs> in some case, uh, like, uh, like I think it's still early to find like the real value of it, but yeah. but yeah, that like that would be interesting. Like I think like people will enjoy uh, like a lot of uh, people that are not 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 technical, or even people that are technical could enjoy using like uh, DD uh, DD uh, AI. I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I if I can lift a little bit more of the veal, um, spoiler alert. Um, but, but so, I mean, we, we're getting really positive feedback on, on the, um, um, on the initial feature. So the initial feature I described is essentially what we call co-pilot, right? You tell DD like, Hey, this yeah. is what I want to do. And it, it segments for you. Right. So that's co-pilot. Um, so that's already live with a few customers, but we have already have a big waiting list. So, and if people who are interested, uh, go to deselect.com slash, uh, DD, that's D E E D E E dash ai and uh, you can sign up for it but but we're going to go further and um the next main capability that we're already looking into um and then by the way we also need to talk about just because we sidetracked on the chat gpt i just remember we need to talk about uh, native ml as well but you know just to stick with ddi the other thing we want to do is um uh, what we call tribal knowledge. So so Arthur, you know you've been you know worked with customers, you know how in every organization there's this one guy or gal who knows the data right yeah, yeah. and whenever someone needs to create a segment or isn't sure about yeah. a filter they go to frank or susie's desk and they go hey frank or susie what filter should i use what what criteria yeah. should i use and so typical typically this person this kind of person is very proud of their work but it's also not ideal for them that people come and pull their sleeve every five minutes oh, yeah. to questions, yeah. right so so there's a bit of annoyance there from the point of view from the organization, however, there's like a massive risk if Frank or Susie gets his, hit by a bus tomorrow, like, like who will yeah. know the data? So here's here's the idea for DD tribal knowledge. The idea is that as people are segmenting in, in deselect with DD or not, like even manually, we mm. quietly listen and, and try to figure out, or rather DD quietly tries to figure out how are people segmenting and why. So that when a new person joins, they will they can yeah. just say, "Hey, Didi, you know, I'm new in this company. 
tell me how people segment and it will just spit out all the typical segments and then you can go oh build me one of these segments yeah and then DDI will it will do that but then and then i think that here's a really important nuance the really interesting use case you will be able to ask can you tell me something about that filter why did you use this value and not the other and that's yeah. where it gets really interesting because now Frank and Susie are, are suddenly scaled, right? <laughs> and and, uh, and that's awesome, I think. Yeah, I think that's that's a good idea. Um, I think we need that. We also need like things to write documentation uh, easily. Have you have you heard about Scribe? So it's. I like, think I heard of it, but I haven't used it. I I haven't used it uh, neither, but it's like something that basically as long as you as you uh, as you create the process like let's say mm -hmm. you you set up your segment in marketing cloud scribe mm -hmm. will take some screenshots and they will build the documentation for you automatically which is That's like awesome. very uh, impressive i think this is like the type of artificial intelligence usage that are very interesting compared to generating like a small text on on like another platform like for example i saw elementor they propose like some yeah. do you know elementor they yeah, propose sure, some generative right? yeah i'm i'm a huge fan of this uh this uh platform um uh, but like the way they integrated uh, artificial intelligence is is not that great like i think they just propose you to generate the the text on the on the text widget <laughs> so right. you know like it, it depends of uh, of the company but yeah it's interesting yeah in fact i think we still use elementor for our own website but i, I might be wrong it's been a while since i had to go into the admin panel myself but um oh, yeah. about scribe i mean i just have a quick look at the website it looks super interesting um yeah i mean look i don't know the product i'm not endorsing this this is not an affiliate marketing thing but uh <laughs> Um, I will say I, I really believe in the value of good documentation. I think it's one of those yeah. things. It's interesting. Like the, one of the last um, uh, guests on the show was um, uh, Jenna, Jenna Madsen from How to SFMC. And uh, she also like underlined the value of good documentation. Now, obviously, we're talking specifically about marketing cloud. Yeah. But I think this is important for everything. In fact, just before I swear, just before this meeting, I spent the last two hours updating some of our own internal documentation, um, yeah. uh, which is like very specific business knowledge that I want to make sure is like downloaded from my brain and available for the whole company. So, I mean, yeah, seeing something like this is, is pretty cool. So thank you uh, for the recommendation. And there is, there is two things. There is the documentation and there is... I don't know how you call that in Eng in English, but like in French, we call that the the norm. So it's like the structure of yeah, it's like the norm of your code. The way you write code is also very important, I think, because oh, like a um, convention maybe coding convention. Yeah, co yeah, exactly, coding convention. <laughs> I think this is so important because, um, like a, a code that is well written in marketing mm -hmm. cloud, it's so much easier to understand. Um, so this, like, this is something that we are working a lot in uh, in our team to yeah. to make sure that uh, people write code cor the the correct way, and totally. also like there is some choice to be made to be made because, for example, you can choose between MScript and SSGS, and 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 some people will write like a full page in MScript when sometimes I 
you should using be be using more like SSGS for like a cloud page and an M script for small script only. So yeah. so this is like a, an open discussion. What what's your view on that? Like what do you think do you have like a, a coding convention for example at deselect and uh, how do people make choice when they choose the code the language to write um phew, man let me unwrap that one so yes the <laughs> short answer is yes uh, of course we have code conventions um the one of the before i jump in there one thing that came to mind as you were um, as we we're talking is um i know some people have used ChatGPT for reformatting of code so reformatting oh, okay. like very quickly for those who don't know like if you write code in a certain way and then over time keep adding and adding and adding at some point you, there's sometimes ways to do it more efficiently if you can start from scratch but that's like typically the thing no developer wants to do because it's more time consuming and you're not really yeah. adding new functionality just making code more efficient but it's super important because if you don't, you're creating technical depth, and sooner or later, it's gonna it's gonna hurt in a bad way. So, uh, I actually suggest our head of engineering, uh, Dom, to uh, try that. Now, we tried it with ChatGPT to let files be reformatted or refactored, and it didn't quite work it as we want. And I think it's partially because, um, but he'll be able to explain better than me. But I'm guessing it's partially because it cannot adhere to our specific coding conventions right so if, if it was a way yeah. to and i'm sure we can give some instructions to ChatGPT. it's just that i know from my own practice that you can provide instructions to ChatGPT and it listens to it kind of for a while and then it starts doing its own thing again so if we could just say hey ChatGPT, these are the rules and then reformat that would be super powerful so that's that's probably a company in itself <laughs> yeah. you could start for that use case um to your question of um so that's a little bit how we think about our code. Now, our code, by the way, I mean, our own solution is um, in uh, JavaScript. It's, uh, uh, for those who know, front-end is React, back-end is Node. So um, I honestly don't know at these days what we're using. I think we're using ASGS 7. I don't know anymore. I used yeah. to code four years ago when we started this thing. That's been four or five years ago. Time flies. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm past that point. But um um, what we do, we, we do, of course, generate SQL and all the SQL we, we create is already optimized as much as we can, because yeah. we want to make sure there's no, there's none of those infamous timeouts in marketing cloud. Um, yeah. but we have, we have, we have, um, we have other ways around that too. Um, and sorry, I feel I'm making a sideway on a sideway here, but, uh, mm. uh, aside from just having as optimal, opt optimized code as we can to make sure that we don't have timeouts. We also have other ways to work around that. And I don't think I have to go into too much detail right now, but suffice yeah. to say, one of our customers has a has a, has a huge database. When I say huge database, I mean, they have 170 million contacts yeah. and they have one data extension that has 1.2 billion records. Wow, uh, that's huge. That's it's freaking huge. <laughs> and it's, it's a huge customer, uh, not just from ours, but from, from yeah. marketing clouds. Um, they're pretty cool. Unfortunately, I can't mention their name just yet, but... Um, uh, yeah, so we can handle that stuff. So, and then maybe my last thought on what you said is, um, I guess the question is also like, when do you use AMP script versus SSDS? SSDS, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be really honest. I'm not a super expert in either. Like I know how to write in JavaScript and I have code in AMP script. Um, I think what you said makes sense. I think the reason why people, so what you said was AMP script for small stuff, 
SSGS for more complex stuff. And that intuitively yeah. makes sense to me because SSGS is JavaScript, which is way more powerful than script, which is a very specific language to marketing cloud. I think people, yeah. why, why they drop into script is that because most people who start using marketing cloud, even if they want to learn the technical stuff, JavaScript yeah, yeah. is its own language, right? So you really need to be a developer to understand what's going on. Yeah. But I think also like it's like in most of the case, like as soon as you build like complex solution, you have to use both and you mm -hmm. merge like both language into the same uh, like soft, uh, like piece of code, like snippet mm -hmm. of code. And because there is things that are easier to do with script because I think it's like a, a new version, like it's, it's more uh, recent than SSGS. I think SSGS is an old version of JavaScript, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, yeah, after like it depends, but I think it's really interesting is if as an organization, you define when to use what, and also like you try to standardize and have naming convention for um, pretty much like everything, because like if you do this effort as the beginning, then you will have like a clean marketing cloud instance and every, everyone will benefit uh, from from it. Even Parker, DA, clean, I... clean marketing cloud <laughs> instance. Now you're just talking nonsense. Let's get real. <laughs> but but um, I mean, there's also a few use cases I remember that SSGS can solve specifically that Amscript just can't. And I think one of the um, use cases is if when you want to deal with rows in an email. So a concrete example, you're a retailer, someone makes a purchase with three items being able to show those three items in the email i believe can only be done with ssgs not really with script in a good scalable way okay yeah yeah i'm, but, I'm not sure about this one well <laughs> i mean someone can maybe fact check on on me like hopefully maybe <laughs> one of the mvps is listening they'll comment in the in the comments on the video that'd be that'd be pretty swell um, and, and and just yes yeah, so, uh like deselect is the I was wondering like deselect is the organization on the app exchange for mm -hmm. marketing cloud that that is one of the most you are you are, you guys are one of the most popular uh, apps basically on the app exchange for marketing cloud no I believe so I I believe we have um, more reviews than any other provider okay. Yeah, that's 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 uh, huge. What uh, what you created over the time. Thanks. You're very kind. Well, I feel <laughs> we're still only getting started. Uh, there's so much, yeah. so much more we can do, and and so many more customers to serve, and so much more stuff to build. But I'm pretty happy yeah. where we got so far. I think it's something to be to be proud of. Yeah. Do you think, like, from your point of view, there is uh, a stage where you would like to integrate uh, deselect with the other marketing cloud uh, marketing platform for example like adobe or uh, i don't know marketo or like you know like be or even deselect becoming like your own platform that could uh do what, what's the future plan for uh, deselect from your point of view it's a great question i think about every investor <laughs> asks me about it and every single one who works for us asks me too um so first of all, I will I will say we are really already a platform in our own right. What I yeah, mean yeah. with that is we have multiple capabilities and uh, we actually run our own infrastructure. 
right? So our, our solution, like Engage is built on Google Cloud Platform, actually, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is massively scalable. It can filter um, 1.2 million messages per hour for a given customer, mm -hmm. which is huge. Um, and it can probably scale it up infinitely, by the way. Um, but uh, so it's its own platform. But to answer your question, uh, when and if will we support our platforms, I will just say, stay tuned. Oh, really? <laughs> That's a wealth answer. Like, <laughs> like we wanted to know. <laughs> but yeah, that would be interesting. Like, uh, I think it would be exciting, like in the future. Like, uh, but, but yeah. Uh, but uh, if you say stay tuned, I will not. Uh, I'll leave the audience with a good cliffhanger there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, coming coming back to if we can geek out a little bit longer um, yeah. about uh, uh, about code principles. There's actually another sort of design principle customers can make, not just yeah. between SSGS or AMP script, but also funnily enough between AMP script and SQL. Now let me unwrap that. So, AMP script is more of a front end language. Typically, you use it to personalize yeah. your emails. SQL is a backend language, you use it to query your database. So what's the link? Well, we see, and this is something that we didn't really think about when we started out, to be honest, but we saw very smart customers use deselect to create queries, where essentially they did all the personalization already in the data. And so when they write the email and afterwards, they can use drag and drop personalization fields and they don't need um, developers time anymore to create those uh, front-end email templates, or at least much, much, much less. So I think that's mm. another interesting design choice you can make as a company. So, so if I understand correct, uh, correctly, it's like you you link uh, Enscript with uh, with your email template? No, with like the SQL, uh, basically. Uh, you don't correct. even need Enscript. I mean, there are... Um... There are personalization fields. I know there's there's MScript personalization fields too, but I think there's some drag and drop functions too to just get field names, like oh, yeah, yeah. your first name, right? Like a very yeah, simple yeah. one. Um, yeah. So what, what people can do is, so I'll, I'll give one example. Um, say you have a use case where you want to send an email to a person and you want to um, refer to their last purchase. Like, you know, you yeah, yeah. bought a pair of sneakers and you want to say, hey, um, Arthur, about your sneakers, whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's two ways of doing that, essentially. You could do something like in AMP script, say, I'm going to create a lookup to yeah, yeah. the table or uh, purchases and then the last item and then whatever. Or yeah. or you can say, well, I'm going to write a SQL query that um, um, merges contacts with their last purchase. And so uh, at the okay, level yeah. of the data, I have it. Now, if, if you don't have any other options, um, these options are kind of equal, right? It just really depends. Yeah, yeah. Where do you want to manage your code? Um, but if you want non-technical marketers to use the email itself without relying on developers, it's probably better that you do the coding in the backend, in the, <clears throat> excuse me, in the data, in the data, yeah. in the data. So our customers who have these like segments, uh, they figure this out and, um, and they do all the personalization as much as I can at the level of the mm -hmm. data, which they can do with non-technical users too, because it's an intuitive drag and drop, drop thing. Yeah. And then in the email, they, they hardly have to write every, uh, any M script anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think um, from what I see, we have a lot of customers who, that would benefit from uh, deselect. I think um, that's impressive, like the number of uh, marketing cloud users who don't have like technical knowledge. And and I think uh, and I think 
Salesforce is not pushing like marketing cloud to be uh, a product that is accessible for everyone. Right. Because I, th I think that they see themselves as an industry more than a company. And this industry also rely on partners. So, so, so I think like the fact that there is complexity is not, um, is not 100% an issue, you know, like they don't need to make the product as easy as possible for everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think where the select bring value is like in this, in this uh, challenge that people without technical knowledge can start using the platform. Yeah. I is, mean, is that what you see as well? I mean, yeah, first off, thank you for, for the kind words. Um, look, here's the thing. I, I think there's, um, I think marketing cloud is a super performant platform and it is very flexible. Um, now yeah. the downside of this, of that is it's technical, but the people who originally started exact target, I think they knew what they were doing. I think they were specifically catering to a very technical audience, to a very technical user base, just yeah, like yeah. part of there's a very interesting yeah. inter uh, interview with uh, Adam Blitzer you can find on YouTube uh, where yeah. he talks about his journey with Parda. And he says they made a design choice to do the opposite thing, right? They they went for super easy, but less features. Yeah. And I think there's a, a customer base for, for all now. So you need to really understand it because that's really the history and the legacy of, of marketing cloud. And I yeah. think it's hard to get rid of without losing some of the value of the flexibility. So yeah. it does unfortunately mean that... Um, some customers they maybe buy marketing cloud thinking it might be more yeah. you know, end user friendly if I can call it that way. But yeah, that's yeah. that's often where we come in. That's often where we come in. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I don't know. But I think it's a great platform in all the case. Like uh like I remember like the first time I opened in marketing cloud, I was a bit shocked by the design of it, like the UX design of it, because I What was are you talking about? I have no <laughs> idea what you're saying. <laughs> I, I used to work with uh, like startup products. So more like MailChimp, you know, like this kind of small uh, Polish product. Exactly. And then when I opened the marketing cloud, I was <laughs> really, <laughs> is, is that the platform that I will work every day with? And at the end of the day, once you, I think you need maybe one, one or two weeks of practice, you know, like to get used to, to the, to the interface. And once to, you start using it, you understand that there is no limit to what you want to achieve with the platform. Like more or less, like everything you want to achieve is doable because you can code in the platform. Right. I think it's, yeah. Don't you think that as well? Yeah, I mean that that's why it's so powerful. But Arthur, let me um because I really appreciate your candor, let me ask you this yeah. question. Um what do you see as the biggest challenge in the marketing cloud community today that nobody's talking about? Uh I think so so I like I don't know if it's the correct answer to your question, but there's I think no correct like, there answer. Is... There's only uh, your opinion. <laughs> the, there is a, there is a challenge with the sandbox. I think like uh, there is a challenge where people cannot learn marketing cloud without purchasing the product. So it's really difficult if you are like a, a trailblazer to learn mm -hmm. about marketing cloud because you don't have access to the platform. 
So all you learn is like theoretical knowledge. It's like learning how to drive on a, on a GTA, for example. Sure. <laughs> like, sure. you know, like, yeah. I'm a gamer, <laughs> so I, I know is, what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a challenge. And also, yeah, like the customer cannot, yeah, there is friction at this stage to, to upskill like the new, the, the new wave of like, uh, of marketing cloud, like specialist or consultant. I think this would be interesting to have like a proper sandbox where people can sign up and, and use. And, and also like customer, um, like the entry ticket for marketing cloud is quite expensive. So, mm -hmm. so, so, so like, uh, so customer cannot really try it without, you know, like it would be nice if customer could try the platform before signing it. Oh yeah. Um, I think yeah, that's, that's what we're doing now too. We, we also start with, um, a free version of the select segment so people can try it out and they can install it themselves. Um, yeah. but, um, I I uh, see we're kind of coming up at time soon, and I feel we can probably go keep going on for yeah. a few hours. But since yeah, you, yeah. let me let me maybe end with this question then, um, if yeah. I may, because you started talking about the the challenges in learning it. So I like to end these interviews typically with the question: uh, What advice would you give to marketing cloud newbies or marketers, maybe coming from marketing agencies like yourself, um, yeah. who are trying to transition to marketing cloud? What would be your advice to them? Ah, uh, Google is your friend. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that because a lot of the answers are already on the internet, like on the Stack Exchange, on YouTube, yeah. on the article. So, so, so the more you read, every time you have a challenge, like, like, uh, like, say, should read and find the answer on the internet because it's available and they are not the first one who face this challenge. Like me personally, I like there is for most of the things that I build, I have to search on the internet. Like I, I don't know from the, from the top of my head directly. So, so it's like, a, I don't have like, yeah, like storage, you know, like a, I have, I just search the information. And, and I think by doing that, it's uh, it will work, and it's it's not about knowing already. It's about being able to search the information. I think this is a real skill of, uh, but it's like marketing cloud. But I think it's everything else that is like um, in our industry. Like how do you search the information? How fast you you find the right answer? And uh, and yeah, that's my advice. <laughs> It's funny that you say that. I used to say that consulting is just being able to use Google very, very, very well. Um, and yeah. I'm oversimplifying, but but there's a lot of truth to that. So yeah, I think Arthur, so. Th thank you for again for your flexibility for making time. You've been a very engaging uh, guest here. Um, so yeah, um, hope to see more of you in the future. See you. All right. See you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, I would encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel or wherever else you're listening to this recording uh, as we'll be sharing more content with other Marketing Cloud experts into the future. Hope to see you then. Bye.